This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, which I like to say is presented by our new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, trying to get to a 1,000 subscribers. So please hook a brother up. It doesn't cost anything. Just youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And really, if you just want to see the best of our shows, the highlight clips are all posted there. It's awesome. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Got a college football game this Saturday. Abilene Christian at Army. Can't wait for it. Love just being at any college football game ever. Just like my co-host, Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan on YouTube, at FBall Game Plan on Twitter. The key, though, is to go to footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide look this year more than any other you're going to need a draft guide because of all the stop start what teams are playing games what teams are not get emery's it, it's the best one i've seen out there footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide i'm at ross tucker nfl everywhere on social we are at ross tucker pod and we need to dive in emery something but before we do how do your raging Cajuns, okay, how does your team, Louisiana, your alma mater, how do they win in thrilling fashion to stay undefeated and they go from being ranked 18th to being kicked out of the poll? How does that happen? The, once the Power Five schools all decided to play, uh, you know, you knew that was going to happen. They were going to put in teams from the Power Five in the top 25 uh, and just ignore all of the great things, the playoff-worthy things my Raging Cages have done so far this season. But don't worry, we have voodoo on our side. We're going to find our way back in that top 25 and get with ours, which is a playoff spot. I Well, I don't know about that, <laughs> but I, I think it's garbage. It is. They shouldn't rank those other schools until they actually play a game. Like, at this point, you should only be ranking the people that have taken the field and been inside the white lines. You shouldn't be ranking people that – Look, those schools might never play a game. Who knows what happens then, you know? Right. And then you look at you look at the fact that uh, the Cajuns came into the season unranked against a ranked opponent, beat them to at least a common courtesy. If you're going to push the Cajuns down, 25 would be fine. But I agree with the teams that haven't played yet that had a lot of opt-outs perhaps. They shouldn't jump ahead of a team that has put together three good victories on paper where they've come back, they've showed – uh, that they're that they're a very good team as far as being able to overcome adversity, um, and we know Georgia State is going to be a good team. We know Georgia Southern's option uh, gives them a, a nice advantage over some teams. So I just think that as Bush League, that they really once it was announced that these conferences are coming back, let's instantly put them in the top five, and it shows you 
the hypocrisy of college football as far as, you know, the playoff rankings are concerned. Because if you rank all the Power 5 schools high, just like you had LSU at 6, and we called that Mississippi State game way before it happened on the field, that's how you get a team that's 6, and then you all of a sudden going to push Mississippi State up saying, hey, they beat the sixth ranked team in the country. They're also good. No, they're both not good. You just had them overrated <laughs> before the season. Yeah, it's garbage, dude. It really bothers me. You know, you're a group of five guy. I'm an FCS guy. I do the Army games, a lot of them. It just bothers me. It's like, it's not the way it should be. And I don't mind Mississippi State LSU because they at least played. Right. But even so, you know, LSU's ranked sixth because of last year, not anything they did this year. And they gave up 7,000 yards passing to KJ Costello. Anyway, let's get into some of the big games this week because there are several. Baylor is at West Virginia. West Virginia did not look real good to me against Oklahoma State. Baylor's got some running backs. You love running backs. You love Big 12 running backs. Ebner and John Lovett. Yeah, both guys are what I like to call complementary guys. And they quietly, they are similar in let's say like stature, similar in skill set. They both have explosive speed. Ebner is more of a special teamer, and we saw that last week play itself out. He had uh, two kickoff returns for touchdowns. Um, and Lovett has, I think, more explosive speed than Ebner and is more of the, the running back more so that you would like to see in an offense. I could see both guys going to a team like San Francisco and really thriving because of their one-cut and explosive speed that they can get down the sideline. So I'm looking at these two prospects as more of special teamers and complementary guys, maybe third down back, so to speak, uh, than opposed to your uh, your standard down-to-down, you know, uh, bell cow type guys. So these are more guys that when you scout, uh, and this is, this is something that I've really started to uh, implement to my whole scouting process all throughout the last season and in the, uh, you know, during the whole draft process was, you know, really focusing on guys that can play special teams, um, because to me, that's the that's a lot of players who are going to make rosters, and that's how they're going to have their entry into the NFL. And guys like Ebner and also Lovett are guys that can have a role as returnmen before getting roles as you know safety valve backs or outlet backs, third down backs. But I think special teams wise, they have value because we know that's a part of the game that goes completely, you know, uh, underrated, but has the biggest impact. And Ebner had a big impact in their win last weekend. So, by the way, I got to give a little shout out. John Lovett, uh, you know the other John Lovett, Emery. uh, Princeton's two-time Ivy League Player of the Year. He was balling out last night for the Packers on special teams. And he he got in on the game-winning touchdown. He was at fullback. He is the uh, the Packers fullback and move guy and playing on special teams. He was maybe the best Princeton football player I've ever seen. He was unbelievable. Got to give him a little shout-out there, a little Princeton football love. West Virginia's got a D-tackle that you like. Darius Stills is one that gives him a chance defensively. He's a really good anchor on the, on the inside, a guy that has good hand usage. And anytime you can play well with your hands and show good technique as a college player – it gives you a chance to, to have a long pro career because we know a lot of guys, you know, don't have the technique and, and you could speak to this probably better than I can in the NFL. It's more scheme over technique. So if you don't have it going in, you really got to teach yourself or, you know, get outside help to help you with technique. But a guy like Stills who has a good point of attack technique and has made a lot of plays defensively for them 
is one that's really good on that West Virginia defense. Let's get to Texas A&M and Alabama. It's 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, a couple quarterbacks we can talk about here. Uh, we've talked about him before, but I want to get your thoughts again on Texas A&M quarterback Kellen Mond. He's one that no one talks about as far as the pro game is, is concerned. Um, and I think Mond, who has had the benefit of playing under Jimbo Fisher, has a lot of pro-ready tools. We know he has a live on. We know he can really drive the football. In the intermediate game is where the NFL game is played consistently, and that's an area where he can have success. You just want to see him you know, string together those wow moments. Last week versus Vanderbilt, yeah, they won the game, but it was an opportunity for him to, to really you know, take a step forward as far as being a wild prospect. He may be a solid prospect, somebody that's going to have a role in the NFL. Let's say like a Jacoby Brissett, you know, someone that's going to be a solid player that can start some games for you, but you want to see him in this game against Alabama. What a great way for him to really take that next step to where you can see perhaps if he can be um, a premier player at the position. They also have an edge rusher, Michael Clemens. They recruit really well. They usually have some dudes. Tell me about Clemens. And they usually recruit guys that have the same build, 6'5", 270. They always seem to find those guys. And and Clemens is one that, that has good ball get off. I just want to see him use his hands more. When you got the length that you do and you have great ball get off, you really become a problem up front. Now, he had a really good game last weekend. Um, against Vanderbilt, so he was very disruptive, and you want to see that continue to go forward because, again, this is a prospect versus prospect game, and so you're going to go up against Alex Leatherwood and company, and here's an opportunity for you to really stake, stake your claim to being one of the top DN prospects that you want to keep an eye on you know, for the draft, and he's a senior bowl watch list guy, but last year I watched the Clemson game, and you know I like the ball get off, and if he just uses his hands a little bit, he could be a, a real problem up front. These are the games, and you can speak to this, Emery. These are the games a lot of times that the scouts go and watch. I mean, they watch all of them, but, like, they want to watch what you do against the best guys. They want to watch what you do against guys that might end up being pros, like Leatherwood, like the Alabama guys. Right, and, and this is that's how I go about my whole process is I look at a, a prospect's best game, their worst game, and the best matchup. You know, and that's what you want to see. And this is a game for everyone that, that has hopes to go to the pros at Texas A&M. This is the game that you want to ball out in. Let's get to some Alabama guys. Uh, we've talked about him before. Uh, he got his first game last week against Missouri. Najee Harris, a very physically impressive and imposing runner. Yeah, he's got, you know, bell cow back written all over him. I, I think we use the term, uh, the, the comparison, Steven Jackson. Um, that type of player, and I think Najee Harris has all of the tools. He can, he has good inside vision. He has good quickness to, to really, you know, get a step on a defender. He can catch the ball not just out of the backfield, but can be a downfield threat in the passing game. So you can feel comfortable with throwing him the football. Uh, he's solid in pass pro, so he has everything that you look for uh, as a back. He's, he he has a little stiffness in him, but I think he can overcome that. Stephen Jackson had. A lot of stiffness with him, too, but we saw him rush for over 10,000 yards in his career, and I think Najee Harris is going to be a very good pro back, and we'll get to see that on display against Texas A&M. 
Yeah, I mean, physically, he looks so much like Steven Jackson. It's scary. I mean, the hair, like the broad shoulders, uh, totally. How about Alabama quarterback Matt Jones? I I didn't even know he was a pro prospect, Emory. I never really looked at him that way. Right, and and I didn't either. And then you watched last week. And, and here's the thing about quarterbacks like Matt uh, Jones. You know, you see a lot of guys like him. You saw, uh, you know, the, the – um, the guy that that played for the Bengals that won out a lot of national championships for Alabama. His name slips my mind. He's with AJ you. McCarron. AJ McCarron. Yeah, yeah, you see guys like that, and you think, okay, as long as they're managing the offense, not making mistakes, I don't see why there there isn't a path for them to be good pros. And that's how McCarron has been able to carve out such a lengthy career. And when his number was called when he was with the Bengals, he actually helped them get in the game and played in the playoffs. Um, I think Mac Jones can really be that guy, a guy that can be a strong number two, that can be a, a, a Nick Mullins type player, you know, a stay ready so you don't have to get ready type guy. That's Mac Jones, you know, and he's seen a lot, although he may not have played a lot. This is an opportunity to stack together some some real good tape. I think he's got he's got good reserve quarterback ability at the pro level, a guy that can, I don't want to say hold a clipboard as if that's a skill, but, you know, this is a guy that can come in if need be, a la like Nick Mullins, and help your team overcome a two- to three-week uh, injury stretch where he can help you still win. Virginia is playing Clemson. It's Saturday night. It's either ESPN or ABC. Curious to get your thoughts on Virginia running back Shane Simpson. You know, he's from Easton uh, High School in eastern Pennsylvania. I remember watching him in high school. You know, he didn't get the major FBS offers. He went to Towson and had a great career at Towson. And I guess grad transferred this this offseason. Is that what happened? Well, once Towson in that conference, the CAA decided not to play, Shane said, hey, you know, I, I need to put on some tape because I had, had an injury last year. And so he just transferred, he grad transferred up to, to Virginia and, and got an opportunity to really um, continue to play. And I did the broadcast for the Battle of Greater Baltimore, which is Towson versus Morgan State. I did it two years in a row. And Shane Simpson was the one that we spotlighted pregame. And he was everything you could have asked for in those matchups. He was the one that can help you as a punt returner, kick returner. As a receiver, you can line him up in the slot legitimately, and he can win there. As a running back, he gives you that extra juice from coming from the backfield. So his ability as a multifaceted athlete, is what's intriguing about his prospects moving forward. And I'm glad that he's healthy. Hopefully he can stay healthy throughout the season. He's getting an opportunity to play against top competition because uh, he dominated his level of competition when he was at Towson. And they do a really good job of producing running backs. You look at Terrence West that got drafted. Uh, Darius Victor was productive in the XFL, had a good preseason with the Saints. And then you have uh, Shane Simpson who came along next. So they, they've they had a, a good run as far as run game, O-linemen, and also running backs. And seeing Simpson get out there last weekend for Virginia against Duke was impressive to see his his ability. You know, you saw some of the skill set, and you only can expect him to get better moving forward. What about Virginia linebacker Charles Snowden? He's the athletic guy. I remember um, two years ago I went down to Charlottesville to watch Virginia and Pitt play. That's when Pitt had uh, those two tailbacks, Darren Hall and uh, Ali uh, Ali uh, something, uh, Quadri Allison. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, and uh, it was storming a, a stormy night down there in Charlottesville, and Pitt ran all over 
Virginia, you know, from the second quarter on, Juan Thornhill actually got injured in that game. Um, but Snowden is one of those guys that you look at the, the you know, the roster, you see height, weight, speed. You see height, weight, length. You're like, all right, let me check him out. And he's a guy that starts to slowly fill out his frame. He's one that could, you know, rush. He can play out there as, a, as an overhang defender. He can, you know, play the run really well. And in this game, this this matchup they have coming up, that's another opportunity for him to be a disruptive force. I think he has to continue to be disruptive to try to push his name into that first-round category. Um, Trevor Lawrence, he's played a couple games this year. What what have you seen from Lawrence? Has he taken the next step in any way? It's hard to, you know, evaluate what you saw against, um, you know, uh, the Citadel. And, you know, it's, yeah, he had some great throws. And you're right, Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. I think for him, these matchups, these conference matchups are going to be huge. And you want to see, uh, you know, if he's able to get rid of the football quicker and not take so many, you know, shots. I know he's a tough guy, and um, he takes a lot of unnecessary shots, and you don't want to see that. You want to see the ball come out quicker. Um, He has all the accuracy, the timing, the touch, anticipation, all that stuff like that. But you want to see that anticipation kick up a notch. Otherwise, he'll take some shots, and you don't want to see guys, you know, take those hits in the pocket. You see a guy right now, and he's not as as bad as this, but you see Ryan Tannehill, who's playing well for Tennessee. He holds the ball a little bit too long, and he's taking some ridiculous hits in the pocket. And if he just really gets rid of the football a half second sooner, he avoids a lot of those shots. And those shots tend to wear on you as you go through a game. I use the analogy when you're when you're a mobile quarterback. Let's say how when they utilize Taj Boyd at Clemson early in the, in his in the game, he's running the football a lot. So by the time you get late in the third quarter when you need passes, he's tired because he's been taking these hits. And in the in the passing sense, if you're Lawrence and you're taking shots, you may be a little bit gun shy later on in the game when they need you to be your your bravest. So if he can avoid those those hits, those unnecessary shots, I think he'd do a great job and just continue to elevate his stock. He's number one right now. He could probably be number one plus, you know, if he's able to do that. A lot of teams that might have an interest in him. Wow. Maybe even the Jets. I mean, there, there's a lot there, Emery. There's some bad teams out there that need quarterbacks. It'll be very interesting to see who ends up getting Trevor Lawrence. It's interesting to me that every single one of you hasn't already gone to DraftKings Sportsbook because they're giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team, that's right. Place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. And for those of you who might be basketball guys, I see Emery tweet about basketball every once in a while. DraftKings is giving all you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSS when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four. Bet $1 on them and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code ROSS during sign-up. Limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey or PA only. Private boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. 
See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And remember, this is also how you can get one of my last two free Madden codes. I had six free Madden codes. Even if you're in a state where you can't bet legally yet, just go ahead, get it on the phone, get it on your phone, throw the promo code Ross in and deposit anything. Deposit a dollar, five dollars. It all counts. And I will potentially pick you if you send me the screenshot, Ross at RossTucker.com. LSU needs to bounce back, Emory. They're playing Vandy. They did get some good performance from Jabril Cox, an FCS guy, another FCS guy that decided to move up this year. It's funny when you watch him at North Dakota State, you like, man, this linebacker is always finding himself with the ball in his hands on interceptions. And what what does he do in his first game? LSU picks off passes and brings one back for a touchdown. So he's doing exactly what he did at North Dakota State. And this is the reason why he wanted to transfer up because in the eyes of scouts, although we don't probably share that that view, but in the eyes of scouts, his interceptions at North Dakota State was good, but they just look better at an L- you know at a Power 5 program in an LSU uniform. You're making the same plays you made, but for whatever reason, you're going to take it more seriously wearing an LSU uniform, but it was good to see him go out there in his first game at a Power 5 school, do exactly the same thing he did at an FCS school, which made him a prospect, number one, but now it's, just, it's a lot cooler that he's doing it at LSU instead of doing it at North Dakota State. Yeah, I mean, North Dakota State has had, they're going to have two top five quarterbacks in the last six years with, a, uh, with an NFL quarterback in between, an Easton Stick. What about LSU uh, D-lineman Ali Gay? You know what's funny about him? He was a JUCO transfer, and this is his first year, you know, playing with the Tigers. And my goodness, he was extremely disruptive. It seemed like he was the only defensive lineman that was engaged all game long. This guy was locked in. He gave uh, Mississippi State's tackles all sorts of problems. And it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to stack good games if he does this against Vandy, like he did against Mississippi State, and proves that it wasn't just a one-game wonder, he may only be at LSU one season because he was so disruptive, so athletic, so lengthy, so talented, very good versus the run. He was, you know, getting after Costello, and that's easy to do. Costello doesn't have the best pocket presence, but still, for your first game to be this uh, disruptive, if he is able to do it again against Vandy and be a little bit more better, uh, a little bit better versus the run. I think this is going to help him just continue to elevate his sock. And he may be a, you know, a, a, like in basketball, a one and done guy at LSU. Just out of curiosity, Emery, did uh, KJ Costello's performance change how you feel about him as a prospect at all? Not at all. And, and you know, the reason why was the fact that, you know, he's playing in an, in the air raid system. So he's going to get a lot of shots off, right? And what you saw in that game was some of the things you saw at Stanford holding the ball a little bit too long, putting the ball on the turf. He's very careless with the football. And, you know, he's a big guy. He's not an athletic guy. He reminds me a lot of Davis Webb in that regard where, yeah, he can make some throws, but if LSU does what they were supposed to do on the, on the back end, he's throwing three interceptions in that game. He already put the ball on the turf a couple times. So he has to get better from a ball security, a pocket presence standpoint. I feel like LSU couldn't close a lot on – uh, on him in the pocket and really get him on the ground. And he's another one that holds the ball too long and takes a shot where the ball can go 
you know, get sprayed any kind of way out there in the secondary. So what about for Vandy? They got an edge guy, Devo. Yeah, Odenabo is, is one of those guys that he has great ball get off, man. He's He's got the juice, and he has the ability to rush from across the D-line. He can rush from, you know, your seven. He can rush from a three. You know, he can be a five if you want him to. He has explosive ball get off and was very disruptive last week against uh, Texas A&M. I'm sorry, against um, – yeah, Texas A&M, and he was, he was one that, that really uh, was good last year, and you saw him do it again against A&M, and we know A&M routinely has good offensive linemen, and so he's one that could be a problem in this ball game for LSU. If, if you know, you saw Mississippi State was able to get after, um, you know, uh, Miles Brennan, I think Odenabo can be another one of these guys that we are talking about next week as well. Who is this guy? Why did he? Why was he able to be blocked by LSU? Because he's that disruptive and explosive. Jacksonville State plays at FSU, so uh, it, it, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I guess before we get to that, what are your thoughts on Dion at Jackson State? Emory as a guy that's close. You've done a lot of HBCU games. Do you think he'll have success and success right away? I think he'll have success. You know, overall, right away you have to, because right away you have to deal with what's on the roster currently. Now they do have some pieces. They have a really good quarterback in Jalen Jones. They have some good receivers that are pro prospects, in my opinion. Um, but you know, you really got to get your offensive line right and your defensive line right in order to really have that overall success. But recruiting wise, I think that's where he's going to have the biggest impact. And until we see who's the rest of the the coaching staff, that's going to be the biggest key because. If, if we know Dion can go into any home he wants to and, you know, talk a fish out of water, knowing he's going to die, that's the type of recruiting you need out there at Jackson State. And the impact it's going to have is not just going to be at Jackson State, but at the HBCU level, because quiet is kept. The SWAC has tremendous coaching already. Allcorn State's Fred McNair. You look at Prairie View AM's Eric Dooley, Grambling's Broderick Fobbs. FAMU has Willie Simmons, who's done a great job. Alabama State has Donald Hill Ely, who's done a great job in producing good players. Alabama A&M, they have Connell Maynard, who's done an outstanding job. They have a pro prospect at quarterback in a kill glass. So having Dion there is going to make everybody focus on what's already there. It's going to raise the profile. So, yes, I do think he will have success at Jackson State. What about Jacksonville State quarterback Zarek Cooper against the Seminoles? That's the prospect to watch. Obviously, there's FSU prospects, but for Jacksonville State, the Florida Clemson transfer, Zarek Cooper, has done well at Jacksonville State. You want to see consistency start to flatline. He'll have – it was like Dwayne Haskins' performance uh, yesterday against Cleveland where you have the good good series of plays, the good series, you know, the drives, and then you have the three costly turnovers that led to three – touchdowns for Cleveland. So you want to see Zary Cooper's, you know, consistency flatline. He'll be excellent in the early parts and he'll have those couple of head scratches like, man, what are you doing? So if he can flatline and Jacksonville State does have some some pieces to work with, this could get interesting for, for, for uh, Florida State. So I want to see how Cooper is able to flatline his level of play throughout the course of a game. Finally, Navy, Air Force, love these matchups. Commander-in-Chief is on the line anytime it's Navy, Air Force, Army. And I remember doing the Air Force-Army game last year, 
And I was impressed by Air Force D lineman Jordan Jackson. It's funny, Army has a guy who's a junior called Bina Bonsu. Kind of reminds me of Jackson. I mean, they, these are good-looking kids. Yeah, he's 6'5", about 275. I even think there's a path for him to be kicked down inside as and grow into, let's say, a, a you know, really good uh, one-tech or five-tech. I think he has a home uh, as an interior lineman at the next level. If you want to have him as a strong side defensive end, he has a really good, um, you know, edge-setting presence. It's hard to run his way, and he's one that's going to find his way in the backfield. He, he set up shop there last year uh, consistently. I think he had, what, 14 or something TFLs. So he was always in the backfield. He's a very good run defender. He's not the most athletic. That's why I think if you can, uh, you know, build out his frame a little bit more as an interior power rusher, he has a huge future at the next level. You got to check him out on Twitter like I do, at F-Ball Game Plan and Football Game Plan on YouTube. He's already got like 20,000 subscribers. There's a reason for that. Check out what he's got going on. And then footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. The only draft analyst I'm aware of that can recite the names of every head coach in the SWAC conference. That was unbelievable. Emery, your brain is is ridiculous. Great stuff as always. Make sure you also check out today's Ross Tucker football podcast because it was a busy, busy Sunday in the NFL. Tomorrow we'll have the Even Money podcast, play some wagers. We'll also have the Power Rankings Tuesday on the Ross Tucker football podcast. A little bit later in the week, we'll get the Fantasy Feast for you to help you guys set your lineups. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.